Brad Wolf is here. He's nice. in the Zoom. <laughs> hey, Fred. Oh, he's connecting his audio. Hi, Fred. I think his audio is off. <laughs> I swear to the folks, Fred Wolf is here. <laughs> Maybe he just doesn't want to talk to you. No. Oh, hi, Fred. Oh, I did it. <laughs> you have no idea how crazy this is. Uh, there's some. Remember <laughs> you were telling me a few years ago about your Asperger's or whatever it is? Yeah. Uh, I got it. <laughs> and I, I fucking slaughter you when it comes to that shit. <laughs> um, so one place all oh, wait sorry i'm so sorry you guys is it no, Alan? no this Who, is victor pacheco he's the new trusty sidekick hey how you wow. doing great to meet you how do you know he's trusty though uh hey oh. victor, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I'm, I'm pretty mexican sorry uh no <laughs> oh, dang no i've known keith since right before the pandemic so oh, we've known each other for some years yeah Okay, so I'm sorry. I'm sorry to be doing this. Right now. Uh, let me just say this. First of all, Victor, nice to meet you. But um, uh, Keith or Victor, uh, what do I do here? One place for all your ah. Okay, I clicked this. I had um, three brothers. Uh -huh. One killed himself a few years ago, so there's that. But two of them are computer geniuses, and the other two are me. And uh, I don't know if I'm doing this right. I'm clicking that away. Everything's good, right? You can see. Yeah. Me. Oh, everything's I, perfect. I, yeah, I hear you. I, you know, I just released the audio, so that that's all. That's all. So you're good. Oh, so the audio was your fault on your side? No. No, no, no. 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 We're, we're good. No. It was Keith's fault for sure. Definitely Keith's fault. Definitely. Gotta be right, Victor. Right. I, I got your back. I got your back. Talk. We got to talk, Victor. You and I. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. Uh, <laughs> But Fred, uh, Victor and I wanted to say something before we start for you. So, uh, ready? Yeah. That's uh, happy, happy birthday, birthday to you. Happy, happy birthday, birthday to you. Happy birthday to Fred Wall. Happy birthday to you. You know what? That's actually really nice. That really yeah. works. I don't have I any like jokes it. for that. I don't have any tag on it. That's just nice. We just practiced uh, that all morning. All morning. Uh, yeah, secret uh, we were. I had, <laughs> to, I had to learn the words to the song Happy Birthday. Who wrote which one of you wrote the words for it? So, I have no it? idea. It's just like I think my mom sang this to me once. Oh, I was pretending like you guys wrote that song, but uh but <laughs> see, now, here's the thing is you guys, I, I'm so happy to be here. And as Keith knows, Victor, um I was going to maybe do it on Monday, but then I'm moving one daughter into Pierce College where she's playing basketball. The other daughter is in Sacramento working for the FBI full time, which I'm flabbergasted. The whole thing, I'm flabbergasted. And then I have my oldest daughter's dog right here, this pug. I just got him back from the place, the Southern Scissors place. He's, he was a rescue dog and he's the greatest dog in the world. But um, I just ran into the house and then I was on phone with both my daughters saying, hey, how do I do the Zoom? How do I do the Zoom? Cause they always do this stuff for me and they both said you gotta learn this you gotta learn how to do this on your own and call us back and tell us how you're doing i didn't know how to call them back not only did i not how to call them back on the same phone i'm using on the zoom but also i need to, to read uh what's your password when you sign up to aol right i needed to redo my password oh, oh, yeah, log, log in uh, oh, yeah exactly. yeah why do I not know how to do this stuff? What's well, what, what it is, is that it needs to be set up. So every time, like, you don't have to re-log in. You just press the button and you're right back on the website. Right. Like it's for, but for security reasons, sometimes people set it up, like, with my dad. You know, it's just like, no, it's, you can only use it this one time. And then, you know, you got to do it next time. But he doesn't know how to use a cell phone. He got his phone on lock mode. He's like, how come my, my iPad won't turn over the other way? Then I'm like, hold <laughs> on. Just down, button, flip. And he's like, oh, "How did you do that?" I'm like, "Jesus Christ!" And he's like, "You did it with no, with so so much ease." It was like, I was just like, "Yeah, I'm a I'm a wizard." Ooh. So first of all, it's really nice, really nice of you to say it was your dad and not your granddad. Uh, <laughs> it, but it's yeah. not just on my part. It's not just age stuff. It's really, truly, I don't know what go I I can't. I don't have the language for it or whatever. And yeah, I you know I kind of get it how somebody could really not be that great at anything 
but maybe there's one thing that they're okay at, you know, and uh, that would be me. Keith, you have Asperger's, right? Yeah, yeah. I actually have a solution to this for you. Ooh. Yeah. So here's the solution. Uh, hire me to be your assistant. <laughs> no problem solved. <laughs> you got that rhythm. You got that Norm McDonald rhythm. It's great. I, oh, yeah. There's something about that rhythm that is just so perfect for comedy. And you got it. And by the way, you can have it now. He doesn't need it. Yeah. <laughs> he, yeah. He, I uh, opened up for him for nine years. And when he died, I called uh, three people uh, Victor Pacheco, uh, Bob Saget, and Fred Wolf. And you, Fred Wolf, were the one that sent me to voicemail. Oh, dang. <laughs> as you probably can guess, I didn't send you to voicemail. It went to voicemail. Yeah. I don't know what a phone is. I don't know how to answer stuff. Uh, man, that's a good trio. Uh, Victor being right here. Was Victor, did you know him? or? Uh... No, Victor was is just one of my best friends. And like that, that day was just, you know, because I opened up for Norm for nine years. And, you know, like he was like my father figure. And it was, it, I still have a hard time, you know coping yeah. with that so it was a rough one because um i you know vox you know what vox is where you could press a button it's like a walkie-talkie this is yeah. like the one thing i know that a lot of people don't know of vox it's like this walkie-talkie thing and i had you know i i don't I, I had boxes uh from him right up until uh you know but uh one of the the second last Vox was, where are you? Where are you? You're not, not Vox me back here, was it? And thank God there was one more after that one. Yeah. Thank God. Because I was going, oh, see? By holding up, sorry guys, by holding up the phone to you, something made them all shake. Every app shake. And you know what I mean? Like they wanted yeah. to be Oh yeah, no, that you accidentally pressed it. So like, it's like, do you want to remove these apps? Exactly. And, like, it has a minus sign right there, right? Exactly. Yeah. Keith, I can see why you called Victor, by the way. Now, see, <laughs> speaking of Norm, honestly, guy, Norm is one of the few guys that made me feel better about this complete and total crazy lack of like awareness of anything is he had it too. He had it really bad. So you guys, uh, obviously Keith knows this. He doesn't drive. He never drove. He never had, he didn't have his. Oh, he, he had me drive him everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it, I'll tell you a quick story. You want to hear a quick story? I, yeah. Norm, yeah, yeah, okay. So, uh, Norm, uh, I was living in Hollywood and uh, this is pre kids, my wife was there. And um, Norm calls me, says, Hey, I'm yeah, I'm coming to your house, there. and I go, Yeah, okay, cool. Uh, how you getting here? He goes, oh, I'm getting a, getting a ride up there. I go, Oh, who's giving you a ride? He goes, Hey, I don't know, I'll be there in a moment. I just come up there, a house there. And I go, Well, yeah, okay, that's cool, that's cool. Who's giving you a ride? And he goes, oh, Don't mind. Just, I'm coming up to your house. What's the big deal? Like, I'm coming to your house and you know, ride in a car. You ever hear of a car? I go, yeah, who's giving you a ride? Because, you know, Norm, he's got some sketchy friends. Yeah. And you ride. And he goes, it doesn't matter. He really dug in. And I go, okay, well, you can't come by then until you tell me. He goes, all right, Ella McPherson. And oh, my so, God. Yeah. So I said, well, no. So who is it really? And he goes, I, I'm coming up. And I said, it comes out. It was Ella McPherson. Whoa. Giving him a ride. Oh, and so I said to my wife, she was my girlfriend at the time. I go, hey, uh, Norm's here. Okay. Down the hall. I He got a ride from a friend. Okay. It's El McPherson. <laughs> no, no. She came out. She goes, I'm not sitting next to El McPherson. So you go, L, me, L, me. Not doing it, Fred. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to. I have to ask you this because I, I forgot to ask you the first time and Norm actually listened to it and he actually got on to me uh, and then he retold me the story. I don't remember word for word what it, what it was, but he told me that he was like, he was like, hey, you forgot to ask him about a uh, black sheep. And uh, he, he, he I was like, OK. And then he was he told me the story that you wrote the movie and then like the director didn't like you and then kept on firing you and stuff. And like, he told me this story and then he's like, I think she just wanted to fuck Fred. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I mean, I don't know what the exact question is, but is that, <laughs> is that like kind of the, I guess it's a cool story. I don't know. Is that a good, 
question. Well, I don't. She definitely didn't want to uh, have sex, and so yeah, she she's uh, out of my class. So I, out of my. That's the good thing about knowing that girls don't like me is I get to sit there and just say, okay, I don't have to worry about that stuff anymore. But um, she was not my favorite director ever. I was a writer. It was my second movie, and um, I don't know how much I could say or not say, but I was fired off that movie three times. Oh and my god! First time Farley put me back on. The second time, Lauren, Lauren Michaels put me back on. And the third time, the studio put me back on. But I don't know what, all said and done, anything can happen in show business where this is her opening line to me, and I'm not making this up, is she wanted to come meet up and talk about the script for Black Sheep. And I had done Tommy Boy, uh, most of the work on Tommy Boy. And she op she sat down in this lounge chair, and she goes, hi, I'm, I'm Penelope. I go, hey, nice to meet you. I'm Fred. And she goes, I just want to say we could do better than Tommy Boy on this one. I go, oh, really? Okay, great. Because I didn't like Tommy Boy. I didn't think it was that great. I go, oh, okay. Well, that's that's okay. I I guess. What didn't you like about it? She goes, everything. So I think we could start over and just reimagine this. And this script isn't it. And so that was my first meeting with her. And it went downhill after that. Like that was yeah. the hype. But um I think Norm might have been, uh, he knows about this other stuff that happened uh, that is actually one of the greatest stories ever, but I can't tell it because <laughs> oh, <laughs> I i don't want anyone to feel bad about anything that they hear. But, you know, I could be the moron. I might be the one that maybe the script wasn't funny. Maybe it really wasn't and all that sort of stuff. And maybe she was right. But, um, yeah, it could be tough, huh? The yeah. show business. Yeah. But you really how... didn't like Tommy Boy? You didn't like Tommy Boy? That yeah, was her opening line. Was great. That was her opening that line. That was one of the greatest movies of all time. I'm not just saying that because you hear that. I, I just watched that movie with my mom. And like, well, you know, English is her second language and, you know, she's an immigrant. And she loves that movie, you know? It's like, I, I don't understand how that person didn't like that, that movie. Oh, thank you. I mean, that's really nice to hear. Uh, no, it's a beautiful movie. It's like really, it's, it's sweet too. It's funny and it's sweet. Oh, well, thank you for saying that, because the only reason why Black Sheep was getting made is because Tommy Boy, it did really well and people seemed to like it. But um, it was just a weird thing for her to open with because she's adversarial from the very beginning. And I also wanted to know what her bona fide, what were her bona fides, like what was her background in comedy? It wasn't much, if anything. Yeah. And then suddenly telling not just me, but she was telling Farley and Spade and all those guys that it wasn't funny and we thought it was. So it was just a weird opening line but you know uh it turned out fine you know yeah turned it turned fine. out great for you because now you know years later you got joe dirt two and joe dirt one and then dirty work and then you got all and then she's like where's she you know what i mean like so that's <laughs> that's like you know what i mean no, it turned out for the best that's what i'm trying to say that's really nice to you say that i i that's really nice and uh hopefully she's doing great hopefully she's doing really well I know she's got a big old house and that's all great. And I want her to be happy, but that was unhappy times for me. But, uh, but Farley, Spade and myself, we all bonded together. We actually kind of, you know, forced us together, not forced us. We were fine being together. <laughs> what, Clothes what? Were on, the whole thing, but uh, it was us against her kind of, you know, and yeah. sometimes that brings out the uh, competitive instincts in all comics, you know how we are. Yeah, it's that's the part of the business I don't like. I just like making people laugh and you know stuff like that. I don't like the business drama side. Like that when that happens, I'm just like, uh, let's move on. You know, I I so agree with you on that. And plus, I always wonder if I'm handling it right or if I'm saying the wrong thing, because a lot of times I just sort of say what's on my mind, and and then a lot of times it's really stupid what comes out of my mouth. I get it, you know. So, <laughs> but this time it was her fault. Yeah. She, Damn, at least one of the times she fired you is her fault. Let's agree on that, right? <laughs> yes, it absolutely. Was. Actually, she's the one who fired me all three times. So it's yeah. uh, because Meatloaf saying two out of three ain't bad. So you got that for you. That was a great song. That yeah. was a good song. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, shit. Okay, that was um. He was the most like bravest man of all time because he he cries icicles instead of tears. <laughs> that would hurt, you know what I'm saying, right? That would hurt. Yeah. You know how hard it is to cry icicles. What? Speaking of the '70s, which I guess we are. What? What? <laughs> like, what are your guys? Like, what influenced you, comedy-wise? Was it 
guys like Norm or was it 70s guys or what 60s or what? So so yeah, Norm was the first comic I ever saw. And um how when I wanted to become a stand-up comic, I watched the young comedian special like on the TV, and it had Dennis Miller, Spade, who's one of my favorites of all time. And Sorry, Dennis. For- Sorry, uh, Keith Dennis was hosting this one, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, Drake Sather, who was great, and uh, Fred Stoller. Yes, yeah. And uh, I just remember Fred was just so funny on that, you know? And, uh, yeah. So, like, that that really got me into it. And then I was like, oh, I want to do comedy. And then, like, with my Asperger's, I was very nonverbal. And I think I told you this before, when I met Norm, like, I stalked Norm for, like, I don't know, 10 years before I became his friend. And then, you know, that's how that friendship started. And you just, you know, so that's yeah. how that happened. I'll, uh, I uh, I loved Norm's stand-up. And we we knew each other for stand-up comedy. And then, uh, this is a true story, uh, you know, is that I started out at Sunday Live as a guest writer. And that means you go in for two weeks and they just sort of see what you got and whatever. And But even for that, you have to meet with Lauren Michaels to do the guest writer thing. So I went by for the meeting that was supposed to be one o'clock, two o'clock, whatever. And... Um, it was literally two hours I was waiting out there, but I couldn't care less because was, I was in Lauren's outer office. I was in the, the Mighty Silent Live and I'm sitting there and Chris Rock, I'm totally name dropping here. I don't care, but no, uh, that's right. Yeah. I, I mean, it's okay. It's a podcast, right? But Chris Rock came and sit next to me. He said, you're sitting here waiting for him. You know, you're probably thinking I'm going to leave. I'm going to show him that, you know, that I am not to be pushed around. No, you will not get the job. And he was totally right. And I was sitting there and I was loving every second of it. And these guys over, uh, there was like maybe 40 people in the outer office. And I heard them talking about Norm. I heard someone say, Norm, this, Norm, that. I go, what, you guys talking about Norm? And it was two interns. And they said, we, uh, Lauren and Michaels went to see him last night at a comedy club. And uh, and he was really funny, we thought. And I go, oh, okay. Do you guys want to see a little bit of Norm's act? And they go, uh, yeah. I'm the stranger in the office, you know, and they all knew each other, all interns and shit like that. And so I said, okay, where do we go? And I stood up and I started doing Norm's act because I knew it verbatim because we had been hanging out a lot and it destroyed, absolutely blew the roof off, you know? And the door to Lord Michael's office opened. They wanted to see what the hell was going on out there. And one of the people said, oh, look, uh, he's doing Norm McDonald's act. And, oh, no, we're, um, keep it down or whatever. And he goes back in the office but then it turns out that during my meeting, so Norm is funny, huh? Yeah, we thought so too. And I called Norm afterwards right away. I said, Jesus Christ, I just did drag. I just killed. Which ones did you do? Of course, he wants to know which bit. You know? But Steve Bob, by the way, you know, that's the one. It's me, Bob. That bit. But anyway, um, uh, I called him and I said, you got you to you call. You got to push it. They're, they love you. And he got hired before oh. I did. And I... Obviously, he was going to get hired anyway because he's so damn talented, but yeah. I didn't hurt. it didn't hurt at all. I don't think I yeah. killed as Norm. So, so we shared an office. That's how, that's how yeah. I do it. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, yeah. what, what, what was the hardest uh, sketch for you to write on SNL? Like, because, you know, there's some people you could write really, like, I, I think you could write for Spade pretty good and Norm for good and Farley, but were there people where it was tough for you to write for because maybe you didn't understand their humor? That's that's a really interesting question because um, that does happen. Where, like, um, Adam Sandler has a very, it's a very. There's a lot of nuance to what he does. It might not seem like it when you first look at it because he destroys. And when he's doing Lunch Lady Land with Farley, I mean, it's like it just it's destruction. Which, by the way, I'm in that. Norm and I are in that, but no one knows we're in Lunch Lady Land where Farley's dancing around and he's Adam singing. Yeah. Over like garlic bread and the banana. No one recognizes it back there. We're all dressed up. But I, <laughs> there's like um, there there's like a, a personality behind the comedian a lot of times, and if you don't quite have it, the voice in your head, it makes it difficult to write for them. Whereas like someone like Farley, for instance, if you have him screaming and you have him getting soaked soaking wet or something, you got this sheer destruction because he'll he'll take it on home. But maybe some people, it was finding that voice and finding that thing that makes them funny. And I don't have it my own. I have to, I have to definitely ride coattails. So Adam would be one of the tougher ones. And then I studied and I studied and I studied. And we ended up writing Grown Ups, Grown Ups 1 and Grown Ups 2 together. 
and uh, the movies and I saw I saw what he did I saw how he did it it's like it's I'm not kissing ass it's it's fucking brilliant it's just crazy just because there's a nuance to it that you don't understand and I thought I okay actually you know what since you asked I love this yeah. question so much god damn it sorry is that um when I first heard that I might be able to get on there even as a guest writer I turned on the show Saturday Night Live and I was studying the sketches going what is it about these sketches? What is it that makes this show so much different than, say, Carol Burnett's show or whatever, those old sketch shows? And I came to uh, Jack Handy as one of the writers on SNL. People know Deep Thoughts by Jack Handy. Uh -huh. it's, it's a real writer. His stuff is so out there and so esoteric that I said, oh, I don't know if I'll make it on the show because they understand why that's funny. And I knew it was funny. Yeah. But I couldn't figure out why it was funny. Toons is the driving cat. I still don't understand it. But my God, is he a good writer? I I loved writing with him. Like, you know, he he wrote his own sketches, but I loved writing with him. And I never did figure out how he did what he did. It was just a weird twist of the phrase. Whereas Norm comes in and boom, knows Jack Handy right away, knows understands it, and sometimes his proclivity towards something. Spade is someone I know inside and out. I know his comedy. It's really easy to write for him, for me. Yeah. Uh, to write for him. And of course, he makes it funnier, as always. All these guys make it funnier. That was a great question. I gave a long-winded answer to basically saying... Sandler? Yeah, <laughs> Sandler. Yeah, I could have just said <laughs> Sandler. Uh, it, Bill, Murray, Bill Murray would be hard to write for, for me. Yeah. Because there's just something really interesting and offbeat about it, and he knows what he wants to say. And... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to piss anybody off, but no, we're, all, we're all brilliant. And yeah. uh, Dana Carvey, I don't know. Yeah, they're all great. Carvey seems like he'd be tough to write for because he he likes to do the impressions. And like when you do impressions, you kind of like to do what you have in your head to say. You know what I mean? Like say if you're saying doing an impression of John F. Kennedy, you know, you, you talk what John F. Kennedy would say. But if you're writing certain jokes you know you're in the moment you're like i don't want to say the joke you wrote i want to say what john f kennedy's gonna say oh, that's right that's right that's a good point yeah and uh plus he gets into the rhythm of it and he uh this is true it sounds like i'm salivating over all these guys it just so happens every person you mentioned actually is a comedy genius and dana is one of them and they all love you that's what they all have in common Oh, uh, common genius well, love fred wolf i don't know about that but um <laughs> you know, Dana and I were writing something. Uh, he he was up in Carmel. The other, I opened for him the other night, and uh, he killed, of course. And I struggled, of course. But we were writing something, and I gave him the bare bones of an idea, and then he riffed on it and did it on stage and destroyed. It was like maybe a half hour later, just destruction, adding all his own stuff and going off on it. It was Clinton, Bill Clinton, talking to Obama, the two presidents, and. Uh, he just did the whole thing, destroyed in front of a crowd. And all I had said was one little thing, one little premise idea. And he went with it and had like a, a new six minutes, you know? So yeah. That's awesome. You're doing comedy more and more. I, I, I've been trying to get you to do comedy with me. Like when, when I have a headlining show, I always hit you up, say, hey, Fred, you want to do a set? You know? Yeah, which I want to. And it's really nice of you. Uh, uh, I, if you ever came up to Monterey, uh, there's oh. Club, club Monterey. I'll, I'm there. I'm in a heartbeat. I'd love it because um, Hollywood. I mean, sucks. Sucks. It's, it's, changed. <laughs> it's changed a lot, right? I mean, yeah. What's going on down there? What's happening? I don't, I don't know. It's um, yeah. I find I find uh, I find the the crowds just better on the road, like in the most random places too. For some reason, maybe because uh, they they don't see comedy all the time, so maybe they appreciate it more. I feel like oh. Hollywood, they see it all the time. So maybe it's just like a another Friday night, I guess. You know? Yeah, I wonder if that's, yeah. Uh, tell me some of the places that you feel like the audiences are good on the road. I want to see if they match up with what. I really liked Sacramento. I liked Fresno. And, oh. uh, and yeah. uh, you know, I, I tour with TJ Miller now. So I did Houston with him a couple weeks ago. I, I loved it. Wow. Yeah. So. Yeah. So yeah, is uh, Sacramento still the? Is it the last laugh? Oh no, Laughs Unlimited. Is that what it was? Yeah. Yeah. I, wait, maybe maybe it was called Punchline. It was something like that. Yeah. Oh, because Punchline in San Francisco, I, I'm sure it's the same 
owner, I would imagine, was one of my favorite audiences uh, ever. And other places in San Francisco, I had a little struggle time. Yeah. But uh, what about Minneapolis? I haven't done that in a long time. Okay. I, I don't remember. I'm sure it's still pretty good, though. But Because um... okay. that was... Yeah, I I'm seeing if we can, you know, I don't know how many years, twenty years since I did it. Florida's great. Florida never been there, never did. Oh, that's Florida great. Did. Yeah, I, could, if people aren't in the in the audience, you can invite alligators to watch your set. <laughs> they are there, and <laughs> uh, I would say for me, New Jersey. I lived in New Jersey for, well, in first grade or whatever, and I grew up in New York City. I kind of have the rhythm of the East Coast. I can do it, but man, I ate it so hard. I it's really hard to get complete silence, but I did yeah. silence. And then Mitch Mitchell Walters came on after me and blew the roof off. That was the worst by far ever week of gigs I ever did. And then Norm struggled there too, which again made me feel better. It always makes me feel better when the geniuses struggle. But then Minneapolis was my best crowd yeah. and Sacramento, Sacramento also. Yeah. There used to be two clubs in Sacramento. Yeah. And that's where my daughter is FBI now. Yeah. That means if uh, anything happens, you could call her up and say, Hey, take me off, take me <laughs> off the no fly list that you just yeah. put. Uh, with- well, you know, what's actually good about your daughter being in the FBI is if, if you're writing, if you, you know, I know you, you write a lot of comedy, but if you ever write like a script that involves like FBI agents and stuff, you could call her and ask her like some some stuff on like, you know what I mean? Like how to because I wrote a thriller and what I did was I I uh I talked to a, a cop at, at the Fountain Valley police station, just like, you know, it was basically about a kidnapping thing. And I yeah. just wanted to know what would the procedures and stuff would they do and all that stuff. It gave me good advice. Like I actually interviewed about them. So I thought. You know, that's how I wrote that script, kind of. You know, it's funny because um, her mentor, Molly's mentor, I love Sarah. She's my other daughter. I love them both equally. But we're talking about Molly right now. Yeah. Her mentor is this guy named Mike Sanborn. He is a badass of all badasses. He used to be special forces. Then he was FBI te- agent, just taking down the bad guys. Just unfucking believable And one day we were talking and suddenly he knows comedy. He's throwing out like a, a line from somebody's act or whatever. And I thought these guys were like like mini gods. But suddenly he's telling me, I laugh at comedy. I'm like, what the fuck? You're human. Because this guy, crazy. But, you know, comedy kind of cuts through everything. But then there's a lot of different types of comedy. And I didn't have any of them. Yeah. yeah. I just didn't have a solid take on any aspect of comedy. And so... I, I kind of stopped doing it. And so, you know, lately I've been going on stage just to try a couple of new jokes and stuff, but I'm just not that good. And I, you are. I I, I totally disagree. I think you're great. And I think, uh, you know, I, I saw a set where uh, you you were mentioning uh, Bruce Baum and you're like, ah. so I was talking to Bruce and I was like, Bruce, how's the crowd? He's like, they're great. I was like, are you sure they're great? Uh, like, you're all nervous. And then you're doing this joke for two minutes. And then you're like, Okay, I'm just kidding, audience. Bruce said you guys sucked. He's just really good. Like I, I thought that was so great. Well, thanks. Thanks for saying that. that, that uh, the one thing I say in that run there, I go, you guys are a great crowd. I'm not trying to suck up to you, although if it happens, it happens. But uh, it was something I did one time on a TV show that he was hosting, Bruce Baum, and I had cleared it with him beforehand. And I'm thinking, wait a second, I'm sitting here calling him an asshole and telling him I'm beat him up and all this sort of stuff. And I never really told him, hey, I may be doing this bit. You know, it's funny, right? And uh, <clears throat> he was so fucking cool afterwards. But um, that was on the A-list. You saw me do it on the A-list? I don't know. I just saw it on, on YouTube. I don't know what show it was on. but uh, Yeah, well, that's nice. You guys are nice. Victor's nice, too. It's not yeah. just you. It's not just you. Victor's it's not nice. just me. Victor actually has a great question he wanted to ask you. I have three questions, but I guess only one of them is great. Um, no, I'm just, <laughs> this, this ball buster over here, I'm just like. Uh, that was an effortless ball bust, too. Oh, I know. Seriously. Jesus. Yeah. Um, okay, so this is a script writing question. So um, what is the most important aspect of a script that must be present on page one? Wow. Man, where are the, these are fucking great questions. 
Uh, I'm swearing, by the way. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's, a, that's great. That means you're keeping it real. Oh <laughs> <laughs> well, fuck. Let's see. Fuck. Um. No. Let's see. Uh. So you're saying like, oh man, I love this question. God dang. So you're thinking like about page one, not the first line necessarily, but something. No, I mean it could be the first line if you think that's like the most important aspect, like. Like what? Like okay. So if you're reading, like if I'm like, oh hey, we we hit it off. Uh, can you read my script? You know, by page one, like you need to see something on there for you to, you know, go to the next page. To go to page on. two, yeah. 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 So, so, oh, so what would be something that like just get get your attention? That like I mean, not get your attention, but like you're, it has to be present on page one in order for the reader to get behind the script, so to speak. Victor, goddamn, I love this question. Jesus Christ, and I don't know. I hope your your listeners aren't bored out of their minds because God damn, I could talk about this all day because that's that is where I have my Asperger's literally. Um, uh, oh God, I love it so much because there is a giant difference. Uh, for me, it's the first five or six pages that that's where I see it if I'm going to see it. And by the way, who the fuck am I? But it, it, I, <laughs> person who I've had some I've done a few movies and. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and pretend I'm an expert and tell you that I would like, I have every script that I've loved has sold or gone into like bidding wars. Um, oh, uh, wow. Friends of mine send me them or whatever. And I have some friends that will send me a, well, this is a good one. A friend of mine sent me a script, this guy named Pete Kalki. He sent me a script that he wrote with this um, buddy of his, Jerry Swallow. By the way, both stand-up comics at one point. And I read the script and I felt terrible because I had to, I wanted to be honest with Pete and uh, he's one of the best friends. And I had to say, I just don't know. I, I don't think it's there. There's something missing the reality of it. I don't know where the comedy is coming from. It kind of bounces off. And I felt terrible saying it. And I said, yeah, with the first five pages, you kind of know that it's not really apprentice. It's not that, 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 that there's funny stuff. And, I, and I'm so sorry. And I could be so fucking wrong. And I'm so sorry. Okay. They wrote a second script and they sent it to me. And I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? One of the best friends in the world. So what am I going to do? I read the script and I started going, what the fuck? What the fuck? Oh, my God, what the fuck? And as I read, I got to page 12 and I said, this is a fucking masterpiece. There's no way. The ending can't even ruin it. This, And then I kept reading, kept reading, kept reading. I go, hey, Pete, I called him. Pete, this is like incredible. And absolutely fucking incredible. If this doesn't sell, I'll quit the business. And it went into bidding war. Absolute bidding war. Not off of my say-so. They sent it out and everybody wanted it. And it was definitely the first five or six pages. I knew I was hooked into something oh. new. Yeah. That's See, weird. That, that's a good that, question. Man. That honest critique though, right there. I mean, Jesus. I'm like, that wasn't even about me. And I'm like, I'm going to go look at these other scripts again before I ever send them out again. Uh, that, yeah, no, yeah, it was it was hard being brutal like that. Plus, you know, I always say, and it's true, I could be wrong. I actually had this kind of funny story. I think well, it's not that great, but um, <laughs> a friend of mine came up to me at Broadway Video, shows you how long ago this was, and he was telling me about how the studio was pushing around. The studio wants this, studio wants that. Fred, I was thinking about you because you you fight with the studio all the time. I was thinking, so this is the scene they wanted, da, da, da. and then I said, no, da, 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 da. and I stuck to my guns, all right, all right. Anyway, nice seeing you, nice seeing you. I go, yeah, nice seeing you, nice seeing you. I walk away, and I'm thinking, oh, man, the studio was right on that one, you know? Yeah. He was wrong. The writer was wrong, I thought. And uh, it turns out that that was the case, but I look back on my side. I say, how many times have I fought for something that's just brutally bad? I'm sure many, many times. But every once in a while, you know, there's something I fight for, and I say, okay, this is good. But usually it comes off the page right away to everyone who reads it. Usually, yeah, if it's real solid. Yeah. Now, when you when you do a movie that you wrote and you're you're also directing, like Drunk Parents, for example, like how 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 much of the script do you rely on it, or do you change it up as you're directing? Because you know what's what's there. Um. That thanks again for asking. Uh, Drunk Parents is is one that's near and dear to my heart. In that. That's one of the scripts I sent out. Everybody wanted to do it. I sent it to one person. And then from there on, uh, an actress. And she gave it to all the other people. And everybody that read it, that I know of, wanted to do it. But then shooting the movie, uh, a blizzard, the third biggest blizzard in New York history, they said, hit on day 11 of the shoot. And it was a 30-day shoot. And it was 
crazy from then on how we had to just change all the locations and change this because the snow was up and it was really really difficult to do that and sometimes i wish on a movie we could have like a credit crawl along the side and say here's what happened during the filming if you hated this maybe it's because they found that location an hour before they shot there stuff like that but um <laughs> I, I did love that script i have to say i wrote that with pete the guy uh that i was just talking about sent me those script we wrote that together and uh it it was pretty solid i very very proud of it but the final mix of it was just brutal because that snow it just changed everything so i have i have a script i want to write with you and here here's the idea like a guy uh he you know he just found his girlfriend cheating on him so he's depressed and he wants to end his life and as you know it's really hard to you know end your life uh so like you have to be really strong to do that so he hires a professional hitman and and the hitman comes and then he like falls in love with the girl he's like oh wait i don't want to die now i want to be with so he has to out hit the hitman so i think that that could be kind of fun that's excellent that's excellent yeah yeah where'd you get that idea it just came to me i've been i've been i've been writing a been that's the script i've been writing and like i want i want fred wolf you got it too yeah it's in my notebook already so i already got it done so thanks thanks Wait, drop that. You come up with a different idea. You'll be fine. But I already had that one. That's a really good idea, Pete. It's a really good idea. <laughs> Pete, did you steal that idea? I didn't steal that idea. Well, no, it was it seriously in your book, Fred? No, I'm pretending it was so I could get that idea from you. That's <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. Man, when you get a good premise, you kind of know it, you know? Don't I mean it's just it, there's something about it, and then it's the execution is halfway decent, it goes. Uh what what is like Victor and Keith? Like, can you name two of your favorite comedies? Like, and don't bother saying mine or anything like that. Just be nice. Uh, Comedy movies. Yeah. So, like, just yeah, roughly off the top of your head, for a variety of reasons, just you know. Oh, okay. So I like Clue, and I like Weekend at Bernie's. Okay. How about you, Victor? Uh, Mrs. Doubtfire, and. Um... God, I forgot the name of the movie uh, with Rodney Dangerfield. Uh, Meet Wally Sparks. Back to school. Oh, oh, I was thinking Back to School. Um, oh, everyone says Back to School, but I like Meet Wally Sparks better. I thought I saw that one first. It's because Harry Basil directed that, and he wants to work with Harry Basil at the. I didn't even. I didn't, I didn't even know about that. I liked the movie before I even knew that he was a part of that booking crew. I remember watching him do comedy back in the day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I uh, <laughs> see you. You guys just named like such disparate, different movies. You know, like Miss Doubtfire versus. You know, it, it's so funny. There's just so many different senses of humor out there. And what is it that just in a sum total just works? It's very, very hard to pin it down ahead of time. You know, and uh, you got to go with your gut, I guess, or whatever. But then my gut's wrong all the time. So that's so interesting. Yeah. Wait, what are your movies then? Yeah. What are your movies, Fred? The ones that you haven't written. The ones I haven't written. Um, I love very much Bridesmaids and Hangover. I think those are two really good movies. Yeah. Both awesome, and I love them both as commercial comedies. I have like in Bruges, it's a very, you know, very nuanced comedy. I love that. But but talking about big and commercial, those are two, I think, really good examples. And um Paul Feig directed Bridesmaids and he was a stand-up comic. Us stand-up comics have a little bit of an edge, I think. Yeah. Right. Yeah, screenplay, comedy screenplays. So you know, well, it doesn't even have to be comedy screenplays. I think stand-up comics kind of know how to tell a story because it's kind of like telling a joke, like you know the premise and all that stuff. So I think that they're really good at that. You know, yeah, I think so. I think, and then yeah, also you were asking like what stands out on the page initially is if it's a comedy, the a joke, obviously, a couple jokes, the type of jokes. If you see something really interesting, you say, "Okay, this is a this is a good writer, or this is going to be some good stuff." Norm, Norm was a very very good writer, like a really good writer, but he didn't want to sit down and bang out a hundred pages. You know, he yeah, wanted he, to be- he made me do that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's all I was taking. We're, we were we were writing a Dirty Work too, or we were trying to write Dirty Work too, and like we were at his house and. uh so my idea of Dirty Work 2 was, um, uh, you know, you should know the story because you wrote it too, but uh, 
uh, Sam, Sam's uh, sister has breast cancer. So now they have to come up with money to, to get her operation for breast cancer. So we were writing it and Norm was telling me all these jokes and I'm just typing away. And uh, uh, then uh, I thought maybe he was going to write or like polish it, you know, he didn't do a thing. <laughs> so it's just like, you know. Yeah. The only thing though is that um, if you ever got it up on his feet, up and running, yeah, that stuff that makes it unbelievable. So, in dirty work, uh, Frank Sebastiano wrote on it too, and we wrote on it too. It was his script. What I'm talking about, but um, Norm didn't do a lot of work, you know, on the writing side. But on speed, oh my God, he added all this stuff. Added yeah. all kinds. He's just one of those guys. We talked about this. Sorry, last time is Norm never wrote stuff down. I never saw anything written down. No, never. Sounds no. like it carries carries forward on the. Script screenwriting side too have you ever seen any part of zach written out anywhere never i mean i i no i mm. i i saw when he when we were doing the show he would write stuff but he wouldn't stick to you know because he had a podcast he had a netflix show he wouldn't stick to it he would just write it and then like like say if he has a card that says oh ask drew barrymore a question he wouldn't stick to it. He would just talk to her. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then after the show, then he, then I remember he'd be like, oh, wait, can you guys turn on the camera? I have to ask Drew Barrymore a question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Kind of kind of class against his own stuff. He 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 definitely did things different. Uh, absolutely. Did it his own way, but it worked. It was part of his personality. We really did share an office at SNL, and uh, it was actually Norm and... Um, also, uh, uh, you know, Beavis and Butthead. Uh, Mike Judge. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, I, Asperger's. Yeah. And, and uh, trying to think of Mike Judge. It was Norm, Mike Judge, Adam Sandler, and Chris Rock. Oh, and David Spade. Sorry. And, and David Spade. So three, three. So we had a bigger office like that. And because it was those six in there, everybody came to that office. I was the dud of the bunch. But I just remember sitting there with all these guys. Mike Myers was in there. Dana Carter was in there. There was just all these people. And I just said, I am nowhere near their performing level. Nowhere near. Not even close. Not in the same ballpark. But I know how to write for him and him and him. Yeah. I start doing that. And Norm was one of the guys that said, I can write for Norm. I can do that. And uh, he kind of sensed it too about me. So we wrote a lot of stuff together. We wrote a lot of sketches together. But he didn't write right. You're right. He didn't have a pencil in his hand ever. Yeah. And he didn't type. But he was a genius of all geniuses. Definitely. Hey. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, uh, my question was, I was going to say, uh, when you, you were on SNL, and you don't have to say names or anything, but was there a time where you were writing for uh, somebody or something and you just thought, like, just had so much frustration because you thought, maybe your juices aren't on the same level or maybe, you know, you guys just don't understand each other's humor or something. It just frustrated you because when I wrote for Norm's show, I thought I was the best writer to write for Norm, but I thought I was the worst writer on the staff. Does that make sense? It makes sense. Yeah. I, um, I, yeah, it makes sense. But if you felt tuned to Norm and obviously you were because he would not have brought you along yeah. if you weren't well then you were right you know if it was for him but so what 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 would they indicate to you that, that made you think you weren't it oh no just just like because i've never sold anything so you know i'm just a stand-up comic so maybe they didn't think i was a real writer or whatever but I like i just didn't i i didn't enjoy that like i enjoyed writing scripts but i didn't enjoy writing so I guess that's where the frustration for me was because I was like, I mean, they're all good guys, but I remember I'd submit it and I'd be like, fuck all these guys. You know what I mean? Like, sure, yeah. <laughs> I understand. Now I understand what you're saying. And for sure, I, you know, a spade, I love writing for spade. We've done six movies, six or seven movies together. And like when I see it, anyone sees it written out, spade's got a very unique so if you think about it, I mean, he does really well, of course, kills. But what's he really saying up on stage? It's it's him. It's his take on stuff. It's the way he says things. 
And so on the page, sometimes the scripts that we write together don't look that funny because they're not picturing him delivering the lines and stuff. Right. So a couple of arguments with the studios have occurred over me saying like a fucking asshole. I'm saying you guys are wrong. This is funny. Wait, you'll see. So that can happen definitely on shows where there's producers running around and they don't know what I just told you. They don't know that Norm has a certain way of delivering certain lines that don't look that funny on the page sometimes, but they're him. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And then the business is filled with, there's some egotistical people in that business. And so when, if you say you didn't have experience, they would want to pile on a couple guys when they're ever, they're anxious. They want to pile on somebody. I mean, yeah, I'm sorry that you had to go through that because that's the last thing you need to hear when you are starting out. But a lot of times it's, it's bullshit. If Norm brought you on, they should go with that. Anything yeah. That makes sense. So yeah, anyway, uh, I've had that happen a lot. And uh, Spade is one of the clearest examples of stuff that just doesn't look that funny on the page. And I've heard from producers and studio heads and stuff like that, that ah, we don't find this that funny. And then it's turned out just fine. So yeah. yeah. Victor, you got another question for Fred Wolf? Yeah, absolutely. Um, which do you enjoy more, writing screenplays for or scripts for sketch comedy television or for movies? Uh, man, I love all your questions. Um, I love them both so much. I know it's such a pat answer, but I love it so much. I miss writing sketches. I started writing one the other day that I started liking. And um, I, I have a story about my first sketch ever, and I have a story about my first screenplay ever. And I would try to keep it short. I can tell you really quick. No, I, we're on your time. I want to respect your time. So if if they're long, tell us. Oh, oh shit. Okay. So, so I had never written a sketch in my life. And I, uh, Rob Schneider said, Hey, you know what? You should send a sketch in and I'll, I'll try to get it to the head writers. And I basically almost said, what's the sketch? Like how do I, he said, just write uh, 10 pages and make it funny. Whatever. You're a funny guy. We met in Sacramento actually at the laughs unlimited and uh, back in the eighties. And so, uh, late 80s because we're really young but anyway uh my brother <laughs> yeah. uh, I, i've heard 4 is is rough but so far so good but anyway so i i wrote i was staring at the tv set i told you uh saying live going what is it what is it what is it what is it how does it work how does it work how does it work and then i wrote this sketch and it just kind of flowed out of me it was called mr belvedere fan club and it was just a bunch of yahoos that are fans of mr belvedere do you remember that tv show that used to be on yeah and uh and so I go, I wonder if this is good. I sent it out to Rob. Rob gave it to this guy, Jim Downey. And then Jim Downey, he called about, uh, Rob Schneider called about maybe a month later and said, hey, he liked it. He wants to come out and do a guest writing stint. So I go, oh, great. So I go out and be a guest writer. And the first host, or for two weeks, the first host is Jerry Seinfeld. And I show him the sketch, Mr. Belvedere. And he reads it. I, I know him from stand-up comedy. And uh, he reads it and he goes, uh, it's not my thing, not my thing. I'll read it at the table if you want, but it's not my thing. I, I wouldn't want to do it on the show. And I go, oh, damn. I, I go, sure. Oh, that's fine, Jerry. I get it. I walked away, just brutalized. The second week, Tom Hanks was the host and gave him the sketch. He read it. He goes, I love it. Let's do it at the table. Read it at the table. It destroyed, which I, my stuff never destroys. It fucking blew the roof off. Uh, and so it got on the show. My favorite musician of all time uh, at that point, I had three posters on the wall, Bruce Springsteen. He's the musical guest. They're doing my uh, sketch and Springsteen is getting ready. To, he's warming up to be the music on the show. And I see him laughing off camera. I, I, he's laughing at my sketch. Bruce Springsteen is. And the sketch went over fine. It was a full cast sketch. And then uh, people were coming up to me after the show, including Bruce Springsteen. Funny sketch. I heard you knew you're, you're, you're great. Uh, uh, Hanks, all these people said stuff. And everyone said, oh man, you're going to be hired. You're going to be hired. But then summer came, fall came, and I wasn't hired. And so a year went by, and they didn't want me. Yeah. And um, I didn't know what happened. And then I was doing stuff coming on the road. I was trying to, you know, uh, apply to stuff, get get money and so forth, and make a living. And, you know, I was middle act, 300 bucks at best, middling, you know, down in, in uh, New Orleans, stuff like that. And uh, one day after a year and a half, I got a, in the seven hour period, I got three phone calls. The Chevy Chase show, Conan O'Brien show was just starting up and Saturday Night Live. Oh my three, God. All one of me. Awesome. I had said yes to Chevy because it's Chevy Chase on the phone. Yeah, you can't say no to Chevy Chase. Yeah, yeah he was the man. He was, uh, I idolized that guy back then. 
and uh, great guy. But uh, so I did that. I took Chevy. And then uh, Chevy himself, after two months of pre-production, came to me and said, you know, you might want Santa Live. That's what you really want. I know that. And you should go because I don't think this show's going to last. And so I went out to Santa Live. And I took that job. And over the four-year period, I rose up and became head writer. That's great. And Jim Downey got me Tommy Boy as a writer of that yeah. movie. And so I got one sketch, got me Saturday Night Live and my first movie. But it took a year and a half of me just going, why did they fucking hate me? Yeah. And then just to cap the story, the 40th anniversary of SNL was a few years ago. I was flying out. Uh, someone else's private jet, not mine. And on the thing, Sandler's. Uh, it was Sandler, <laughs> Sandler and a few guys on the jet. And we were flying out. And um, there was a Rolling Stone magazine, top 50 sketches of all time at Saturday Night Live. And there was Mr. Belvedere. Yeah. Um, right? Right? Awesome. Tell me that's not fucking crazy. That's great. Crazy. Oh, so, my God. Oh, my God. Uh, so... I actually do have three more questions. They're fast, but I wanted to tell you a quick uh, Jim Downey story because I saw him at Norm's funeral and I've been trying forever to get him on the show, but I just can't find info on him. And I was like, oh, so I, I didn't like introduce myself because I thought that would be very inappropriate to do it at a funeral. But now, like looking back, I'm thinking maybe I should have. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like I wanted to ask your thoughts. Like that's that's borderline inappropriate, right? At Norm's funeral, he flew out from New York to go to that funeral too. And I, I felt I was in Montana. And I, when I heard it, when Jim told me he flew out, I thought, well, why didn't I fly down from Montana? But and my daughter was up there going to school because of lockdowns that were your fault, all this COVID bullshit. But um, <laughs> I, I, I think it's probably okay that you didn't walk up to him at Norm's funeral only because Jim is like, uh, he's a legend, a legend. Yeah. He's amazing. And then he also, uh, he was really, really shook up uh, by Norm's passing. And uh, yeah, but I, uh, for a guest on your show, he he's not the type to, to you know, he doesn't self-promote at all, but he would no. do your show if I told him how fun it was. Yeah. Uh, oh, that, that would be awesome, Fred. Yeah. But I guess what I'm trying to say is because like I knew Norm loved Jim and I knew, you know, like I knew that the relationship because Norm would always talk about it. So like I knew how Norman felt about me. So I, a sense of me says Jim would have loved that, that attitude. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. But I'm still glad I didn't, you know what I mean? I think, yeah. I mean, yeah, but not cause you, I, I don't know. I, uh, Jim, he, he was, that was rough. That was rough on all of us. Norm was a rough one. Uh, but uh yeah there's a connection i'm sure and uh he was a jeopardy answer recently uh jim downey was yeah and i love it you know because he's the head writer at letterman uh when uh lauren took a break from snl back in the day uh jim just popped over and became the head writer at letterman what the fuck i mean jesus this guy <laughs> unbelievable every time i was we would go to dinner just he and i and i'd be sitting there thinking what the fuck do you want to hang out with me uh he's brilliant absolutely huh. brilliant. <laughs> All right, so we got a couple Twitter questions. These are fast because we want to respect your time. Are you good on time or? Sure, yeah. Uh, okay. So, um, Fred, how many times have you seen the Globetrotters? Oh, shit, I saw them. Huh? What a great question. McKeesport, Pennsylvania, outside of Pittsburgh, uh, yeah. high school. Why? Oh, I think they, they, they're making a little Mickey reference. Oh, oh, shit. <laughs> shit, shit, sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, Dana Carvey was the referee in that. Uh, Oh shit! Oh, I did one line on uh, Little Nikki. Ah, uh, that was a blast, though. By the way, ah, I missed it. Sorry, I love the gold charts. Miller Lemon, he's my man. Uh, I'm a football player. Uh, and this one says, Fred, uh, is there any chance of a Joe Dirt three or a Grown Ups three? Wow, I love all these questions. Every single question was amazing. Um, yes, uh, yes, I yeah. Spade sent me the one of the best things ever about three days ago. I got so excited. We'll see what happens, but I'm not supposed to say anything. Okay. But yeah, I'd love it. I'd love it. And then uh, uh, I have a Grand Three too. Ah, man, that's so perfect. Sorry, I'm being all cryptic. It's because yeah. I'm so. You know, I don't want to be superstitious. I don't want anyone to think I'm a big shot at all. But 
There's always hope, I guess, is the answer, right? <laughs> Can you imagine if I said that, though? <laughs> Maybe you guys are lucky. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> hey, uh, hey, can I tell you a uh, stand-up comedy thing really quick? Really, really Of course, quick? yeah. So, uh, so I hadn't done it for a long time, and I was up in Montana, like I told you, doing um, uh, watching my daughter uh, go to high school there because it's locked down here. And uh, and I, I said, I'm going to go do the open mic night or whatever it is at this local club, yeah? You did it? Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I did. But I'm going to make it short. Thank you for the reaction you gave me because I was excited to do something up there in Montana. And uh, I've been there many times in Montana, but I uh, I just wanted to do comedy. And uh, and so I went by there around 4 o'clock. The show was at 8, or excuse me, around you know 5 or 6 o'clock. And there were some comics hanging around. And I look homeless. I get it. And uh, my hair actually looks okay right now. But a lot of times I look kind of rough. And I walked up and I go, hey, uh, there's a comedy night tonight. And they go, no, not really. And they're blowing me off like that. And I go, oh, but it said comedy tonight. I was wondering, is there someone I can call? And maybe you can get on and do a few minutes or something. No. And they go back to talking like that. And I go, Jesus Christ. I go inside the club and the bartender blows me off hard. I go, is there someone that books the uh, comedy uh, show tonight? And the guy goes, I don't know anything about that. So anyway, uh, did you need something to drink or... Or are you going to be, you know, leaving? It was like that. And then this woman at the bar, she looks over at me and she says, uh, she says, this isn't an open mic night. This is like, we're comics. And they were so fucking rude. Yeah. So rude. So I decided, okay, I'm not going to go on because everyone is rude and all that kind of stuff. And I had my feelings hurt. But my uh, my nephew was on his way down by bus, Andy Wolf. And he was coming by bus and I call him. And I go, ah, this club sucks. Fuck this place. And he goes, well, I'm on my way. What? I'm on the bus. 1,200 miles I've come. Uh, he came like two miles. And so I go, oh, shit. All right, well, let's start. Let's go in the club. And we'll see what happens or whatever. But they were all assholes to me. And so we get, the club starts. It's a packed house or like that. And I see the person that books the club. I could tell she's the MC too. And I said, I just wanted to go on stage, but you probably don't want me on stage. And she goes, you're Fred Wolf. I know you, you're Fred Wolf. I go, oh, yeah, you see, I've seen you do comedy. We had a, a bunch of comics drop out. Do you want to do time as much as you want? And I go, oh, okay. And so, you know, by now, I don't brag ever. Yeah. I went on fucking stage mad as fuck with a big smile on my face. And I brought out every fucking bit I have. I got every fucking local reference I could like that. And I blew them, I fucking annihilated. Oh my and God, I'm so I, proud. I, I got a standing ovation and people uh, were handing me drinks as I walked through the audience after saying, thank you, good night. And one of the guys that was the rudest to me hugged me and in my ear and Andy Wolf heard him say it goes, I am so sorry. I was such a fucking asshole to you. I didn't know you were somebody. And so we got <laughs> all those. Yeah. Right. And to all those comics, I said, you guys, I'm so sorry. You really hurt my feelings. All the stuff you said. And thank you for saying you're sorry. But the thing is, if I had just starting, if I was an open micer for real, you guys, I might have not never done it before. And down in LA, if you act that way, you're going to be crushed. Absolutely. Yeah. And it was nice <laughs> to apologize, but what the fuck? Why were they so mean? Anyway, boy, did I annihilate. That's an awesome story. And Fred, I want you to know if I ever become like a big, big name, you know, and, you know, I take you on the road because I will. You know, if anyone ever treats you like that, you let me know and I'll be like, listen, do you guys know this is comic god Fred Wolf? Like, <laughs> like I would always 100% be in your corner. And I'm sorry they did that to you. I've had that, I've had that happen to me, but I'm not a name. So no, like, that happened to me. I thought it was because I was fat and Mexican and like, you're not any of those things. So that like, people are just assholes. People are dicks. I, I did this gig and. Before I did the gig, people were looking at me like, oh, who's this fat Mexican? Because everybody was like, you know, like white. And I was the young person there. And so I did my set. And then everybody comes up to me afterwards. Like, oh, my God, you're so funny. Can I buy your album? And I'm like, you're oh, a man. dick. Yeah. I went on stage. What? So because I'm funny now, you want to be oh. my best friend? Fuck you. Where's the coke that's, at? You know? Oh, just... <laughs> <laughs> Victor, I'm not just saying this. Uh, I I've known Keith a while. I swear to God, I'm not just saying this. You just you radiate goodness. I swear to God, it's true. So does Keith. Oh, uh, thanks, man. You do too, Keith. I was nervous. He's like, yeah, 
dude, you, you know Fred Wolf, right? You know, he's the head writer on SNL, and he wrote Tommy Boy, and he wrote Black Sheep, and he wrote Grown Ups, and Grown Ups. And I'm like, okay, Keith, you're making me really fucking nervous, man. You're making me really nervous. I'm going to have to take a bunch of edibles before the show to make sure that, <laughs> you know, if everything comes off, I'm like, no, don't worry. I'm on a bunch of edibles. I'm not really that nervous. He's like, no, 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 trust me. He's super cool. And then yeah. he was right. He was really right. And like, Thank I've you, had him Michelle. say that before and they weren't really that nice to me or they were busting oh. my balls or they're called Keith Fatty. And yeah. so, oh, 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 oh. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so great because I'm way fatter than Keith and he didn't call me fatty. So that, oh, that, that was so, I would laugh so hard. Sorry. You, uh, you both have, that's so, really funny. That was very nice of you. You both have the it factor, just so you know. So we have two more quick questions. <laughs> you just asked like five. Yeah, yeah, but Fred, can we ask these two real fast? Okay, yeah. Okay. Uh, so question number one. Uh, Fred, did you ever use the Alec Baldwin joke? Uh, I'm trying to think what that means. Uh, I know what that means. This is a listener who listened to the show last time. I gave oh. you a great Alec Baldwin story. Oh, shit. Okay. It was his brother, Daniel, and I, I saw him. And I was like, oh, has anyone ever told you you look like Alec Baldwin? And he's like, yeah, uh, my name's Daniel Baldwin. And I was like, oh, has anyone ever told you you have Alec Baldwin's last name? <laughs> Holy shit. And and that, was... Then I Googled him and it was his brother. So I was like, oh. Which one? He's got three brothers, right? Uh, yeah. Steve, Daniel, and uh, and uh, Billy. Uh, Billy, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Oh no, I don't know. I, I just remember that yeah. South Park, the movie reference. Yeah, from no. Ninety nine. Um, the the two other sketches I had on that uh, that Rolling Stone best fifty top fifty of all time were were both Alec Baldwin sketches, and uh, <laughs> and that's how I, why you did drunk parents. That that's such a uh, that's so funny. I can't believe I didn't tell him that joke because uh, uh, I, I well because it was snowing. I guess I forgot. But uh, you have a very astute listeners, by the way. Yeah. So I, I that was like my claim to fame. I was like, Fred Wolf's going to put that in his new movie. And, I <laughs> and uh, this this question uh, is, uh, Fred, uh, is directing Anna Ferris easy? Uh, Anna Ferris, I, I, I yeah. Every, everyone's the showbiz answer is always like, oh, they're the greatest, they're the greatest. She's the fucking greatest. It's crazy. You know, I actually went after Penelope, didn't I? Uh, the director of Black Sheep. So. Believe me, Anna Ferris was unfucking believable. Like unfucking believable. I, I want to say real quick, since you asked the question, is that in the movie she does that thing where when she meets somebody like Keith for the first time to remember Keith. I think yeah. And I wrote the idea for it the day of we we're shooting that scene. Uh, how's funny? And um, I I pitched it to her and I said, hey, what? Da, 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 da. And then she went straight to that voice. That voice there, that became, it was huge. It became huge off that show. They played it. And that was all her from me saying, just say their name different or whatever odd. And she came up with that. She's so fucking great. But then she gives me credit all the time, all the time, and never takes credit for herself. It was her voice. Oh my God, she's good. Jesus Christ, she's great. So awesome. what oh. the, this is the last Pratt. question. Oh, 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 real quick, real quick, real quick. Okay. Show, show this, show this. This is a, Chris show Pratt. Me. Chris Pratt, they were going out at the time. They weren't married yet. And uh, uh, then they got married and we were at dinner and Chris Pratt was telling me that in the newspaper it said, D-lister marries A-lister on a Ferris. And he was devastated to hear them calling him that. Well, he had the last laugh on that one too, didn't he? Yeah. These people could be so fucking cruel, but the it bothered him. And it, bother, it would have bothered, it would have devastated me, but um, he's such a fucking good guy. Why does it always happen to the good guys? All right, go ahead. Sorry, next question. Sorry, sorry, sorry. And this is the last Twitter question. Uh, Fred, did you ever find out if Bill Pullman was your professor? Oh, good memory. Yes, he was. He, I, I researched it. He was there the same year, which he, he said he was. He absolutely was at Montana State University. I love that. I love all your questions, but that listener is great. Uh, yeah, that remember the recap of it. You remember, right? I do. Yeah, that, I remember. He was such a dick, the professor, that I dropped out of college. Yeah. Uh, and then all those years later, he said that they worked there at Montana State, where I was going at the time, blah, 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 blah. And he said, that's what I, that, that's the kind of thing I did. That's the kind of asshole I was. That's why I quit being a professor. I went out and just fucking did it. And there he was hosting Saturday Night Live. Oh, I love that question. But yes, it was Bill Pullman, for sure. Awesome. 
Brad, I want to respect your time, but I do have one more question. <laughs> <laughs> You're like little comics. Okay, one last joke. This is the last okay. joke. Last joke. Last joke. <laughs> but but this, this this is this is like a this is like a, a philosophy question. If or I guess in a way, if you could go in a time machine and talk to a younger Fred Wolf, knowing what you know now, what would you tell him? Oh man, that's that is a that's a deep one, right? And see, if I was as funny as those guys we were talking about, I'd have something really funny to say. But I'm taking the face value and saying this is a deep question. No, uh, it is a deep question. Yeah. I, I would say my father was a sociopath, and I would say, uh, yeah, just don't, yeah, just know that and understand that that's why you had so much trouble there, middle part of your life, dealing with that shit. Is that what basically I'm supposed to talk about that aspect? Yeah, yeah. Well, you, well, yeah, what you know now, and you're talking to a younger version of yourself. Yeah, yeah. It'd be that and also the hang in there thing. But uh, man, that is a good question. So yeah. I'm so glad you said that and you didn't say don't do Keith Reza's podcast. <laughs> that would be a big waste of back in time stuff, wouldn't it? It's all about you. Dang. Uh, well, Fred, uh, in all, all seriousness, uh, thank you so much for your friendship. I love you very much. And thank you for everything you do for me. It means I, a lot to me. Let's say hi to Norm. Seriously. Uh, I talk all the time to this guy no. uh, up there where he's at. And uh, Victor, uh, it was great to meet Victor too. Uh, it was great to meet you, Brad. You were awesome. Radiates goodness, as I said. Keith, you do too, as you know. All right, you guys, thanks very much. And uh, look at that. My teacher. <laughs> ah, dig. Okay. Happy great birthday, day. Fred, and have a great day. Thank you. Thank you. Happy birthday, Fred. All right, guys. Great talking to you. All right. All right, guys. That was an interview with Fred Wolf. Subscribe, Ray Review, and we'll see you guys next week. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the show. I really appreciate it. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcast. Give us some feedback. Good, honest, terrible, doesn't matter. Also, follow us on social media. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Razor Riffs. I am also on Stereo if you would like to chat with me there. www.stereo.com slash KeithRaza. And on Cameo, www.cameo.com slash Keith Reza. If you enjoyed the show, please send us a donation on the Anchor app. We really do appreciate it. And we'll rift with you again soon.